have your Bibles, you can turn to, I'll be with you in a little bit, but you can turn to Romans chapter 13 if you like. Romans chapter 13, I just have a few verses this morning. The title of my message this morning is The Frustrated American Believer. <laughs> the Frustrated American Believer. Now, I'm not trying to be political this morning, okay? You know, in a church like this, you know, you have different, uh, you have people of different parties and all this stuff. But I'm just going to share some facts that I see that I think that are very, very important. If you watch the news at night or something like that, it's easy to get frustrated <laughs> and discouraged at what things are taking place. And so I'd like to share a few things about that if I could. History shows that all the articles of the Constitution, our three legislative bodies, were derived from the Bible. Isn't that an amazing statement? If not rooted in the Bible, it never made it to the Constitution. Huh? That, that's just amazing. And now you, you understand why they're trying to take God away so God can't be a part of government, and it hasn't been for a pretty good while. In 1867, North American Review said this. They summed up the founding fathers' accomplishment. They said the American government and the Constitution is the most precious possession which the world holds or which the future can inherit. This is true. True because the American system of government is the political expression of Christian ideas. And I, I like that last part. It, it's true because the American system of government is the political expression of Christian ideas. Patrick Hendrick said this, it cannot be emphasized too strongly, too often, that this nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's one of our men. James Madison, they say he was the architect of our Constitution. He says, we have staked the whole future of the American civilization, not up on the power of government, far from it, that's a good statement right there, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political institutions on the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. And if you say, hey, that's an Old Testament thing, Paul repeated nine of those in Romans chapter 14. And so they are good things to live by. Thus America, on the belief that there is a God and he is the God of the Bible, that was America's anchor that they held on to. So you step back at today and you say, so what's happened to America? Our society has been on the downward spiral politically, religiously for a number of years. And that affects the secular government leaders who make decisions. Man, by his very sinful nature, contaminates most everything he ever touches. <laughs> and we ask ourselves, as we look at our country, how 
has this come about? Well, it's been a gradual thing that's coming to a head now. Back uh, in 1890, science, Darwin poisoned true science with no God and his theory of evolution. And his theory is undocumented theories about life. Where am I? Who am I? Where did I come from? Well, you must have come from uh, tadpole or blob or rock. That's his theory. And, uh, you know, I was watching TV the other night. I was watching uh, Discovery Channel, and they were saying, four billion years ago, the reason the dinosaurs were destroyed. And they just keep publishing this, saying this, saying this. Most people, they just say, well, it must be a fact, when in reality, it's a farce. And it's just crazy. But science has been affected. Religion. In 1813, a fellow by the name of Kierkegaard, he poisoned truth with his neo-orthodoxy. That means there's no absolute truth. It's only truth if it speaks to you. And thus, each person becomes his own, her own authority within themselves. They even said in judgment of God's word. They say, uh, God's word is not truth, but my truth is truth. That's called arrogance. Amen? And then politics. In 1818, Karl Marx came on the scene. He poisoned uh, politics with no God, anti-Jewish, anti-Christian. By the way, he was Jewish. That's interesting. And he brought what's called socialism that has a government in control of its population. From jobs to taxes, what you can do, not do. And if you don't bend to that, then you have the threat of law against you starting to sound a little familiar today. Then there's psychology. In 1856, a fellow by the name of Sigmund Freud, he poisoned truth, and now there's 260-plus theories of the psyche of mankind. And he talked about sex and civilization. He was anti-God, anti-Bible truth. He created the view where all psychosis victims and no one's responsible for their actions. Boy, that sounds familiar to today's going on today too. Seems like nobody is responsible for what they do today. And then education. In 1859, a fellow by the name of Dewey, he poisoned our academics by bringing in education's basis that there is no God, anti-God, in humanism. Humanism, it teaches personal ideas are more important than facts, than truth, than absolutes. Again, that sounds like today. Doesn't matter what is truth, what is fact, what is law, my ideals are more better than those. <laughs> Interesting. In humanism, man is the center of everything. And then the law. In the 1950s and 60s on to today, the ACLU, which foundation and founder 
was communistic in a sense. He was socialistic. It was based on anti-God, exclude God from everything in public. Separation from God, period. The ALC, the ACLU takes any religious thought, whether it's Jewish or Christian, or something morally absolute, and through the legal corrupt courts and system that's biased, take away truth from our society. And they've done it on multiple times. So, all of these things coming into our country, and we are allowed, we allowed it, and it's all coming to a head now. This has led to governmental and media control to tell us what our rights are and are not. Our government promotes anti-Christian, anti-Bible, anti-Jewish, anti-God consciousness with their programs, decisions. Our federal government, with the far left of socialism, humanism, Federal Reserve, fascist judges, elitists, the Supreme Court, the FBI biased political policies with a woke mentality, a cancel of history culture, and most people will give in to their pressures. Government unconstitutionally controls and dictates. It's no longer we the people, but we the new government. And the new government, they will tell us what air we breathe, what water we drink, the food we eat, the cars we drive, the energy we use, the temperature we set on our thermostats, <laughs> the speech we're allowed to use, the secular education that's forced that we have to learn, anti-parents, anti-biblical truth, evolution is fact, immorality is good, the fertilizers we use, the phones we use, the health care we use, the retirement regulations, the inheritance taxes to be paid, how we have to raise our children, mandatory to pay all their entitlement programs to over 50% of others who pay no taxes, our tax money spent everywhere, and then still hire 87,000 new IRS agents, anti-military, anti-police, anti-anything, absolute truth. I told you I wasn't going to get political. <laughs> and all of it pushing to a new form of government where government completely controls its citizens. And you look and you see that. And as an American, you love your country, you become frustrated over all these things happening. So, yeah. So Romans chapter 13 helps us to have some type of an answer about this. And I know it's getting bad, but Romans 13 tells us 
to look past all this stuff. You know, the Apostle Paul lived under the iron hand of the Roman government, and they were not good people. Amen? They were not good people. He lived during Nero's time, and he never mentions him one time in scriptures, does he? That's an amazing story there. So what I'm asking all of us to do is to look deeper, to look at what's going on, but look past that and see what God is doing. Why is God allowing all this to happen? What is God's position and working out for something to take place? And as you look at it, you can't help but see we're in the world now. We're involved in the whole world. And you just know they're promoting a one-world government. That's what's taking place behind all of it. And there's a reason. Why is that? That's so there's a man that needs to make his entrance one day. And that man is called Antichrist. So you have to look past what's going on that affects us, in a sense, to what's really going on. And behind the scenes, how God's bringing things together. All I can say is the rapture must be very soon. But until then, what can we believers do? What can we be, we should ask? When it's the darkest, we should be the brightest. Amen? As believers, too often we failed our Lord to be used by him to make a difference, to have an influence, to have an impact, to help restrain evil. Romans 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation, our deliverance, nearer than when we believed. Paul saying back then, who didn't have all of these events, things taking place. He said, it's getting closer. And I think it's interesting, in Romans 13, the first seven verses talks about our relationship to human government that's appointed by God. It's interesting. Then he says in verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. God says, I want you to be light in this dark world. In other words, I want you to have godliness about yourself. That needs to be part of our life if we want to be light that shines on the darkness to be able to restrain certain evils. Then he says in verse 13, let us walk what? Honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. In that verse there, he said we are to walk honestly. That means to have a decent life of integrity that other people can observe, that they can say your God is real. And you can't prove that if you don't have a life to back it up. Amen? 
And then he said in that verse, not in rioting. Rioting has unrestrained, loose living, anything goes. I don't care about the laws, the rules. Down with this government. We'll just do what we want to do. We'll rob. We'll plunder. There's no consequences. We'll just riot. Sound familiar? And then it mentioned chambering. That means lewd, sexually driven. And if you watch TV, any of the awards shows, you see that. If you watch, uh, uh, if you have children going to schools, they bring in drag queens. I saw one the other day where they even allowed the children to fill the crouch of the drag queen. Yeah. Wantonness. That means unbridled lust, licentiousness, lasciviousness. It's like being like the world, like America, and America is becoming Sodom and Gomorrah. We see it before our very eyes. Then verse 14, he says this, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The way I want you to live in the midst of all this junk, I want you to be Christ-like. I want you to be who you are in Jesus Christ. That's what I want from you. And then what can we do? He repeats it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul says, I, I want the message Christ gave to me to be in you. And one day you'll stand before him right and not put me to shame that you didn't follow what we preached. Amen. Be a light. Honor the Lord. Follow Paul's Christ-given message. That's what he's saying. But with all that's happening in our country today, in our communities, to many believers, too often, they're not in a position that they're going to live for God. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. I think it's important. Truth be known, most of us love and trust in America more than our God. Amen? It's getting quiet. We love what it does for us. We love what it provides for us. I always remember the Russian pastors I met who had been in Russian prisons. I was in Moscow and had a meal with them. And in Georgia, there were more there. And they had scars, they had everything. And I, I said, would you like to go to America? And they said, oh, no. I said, America is too tempting. There's too much. We'll live in our leanness and sacrificing here. And I believe that's a great statement. You know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And sometimes we cross over too much of our treasure is this world and not our God. 
God says the best thing a child of God can do is the first thing is become the light. Ephesians 5.8 says this here. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You follow the word of God. You try to make it part of your life. Then you become that light. The problem is at this moment in time, most are unprepared for this. Unforgiving, unbending, undeveloped, unexcited, uncommitted, uncaring, ungiving, unbelieving, ungrateful, unexpected, uninvolved. To be in position to be light to our nation, to our community that needs to see this light. Amen, Jim, you did good on that one. Instant in season, out of season. If we would become prayed up, studied up, applied up, surrendered, focused on him with faith and trust in God, and unless we search in our hearts for him, we'll never be the light for God to use against this world's darkness. Yes, our country is becoming darker and darker. But what if we became lighter and brighter, amen, for God? Now, what I'm saying is important. Our testimony is more important than our activity in trying to change our country because we can't change our country our laws or whatever without God's glow inside of us. If we don't have that glow, we will fail. And that's one of the great reasons we're in this predicament as a country even today. But as we look around and we see all the disasters and things going on, what if God is positioning us to be at the right place at the right time for his glory. Hmm? Philippians 1.20 says this here. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul came to the conclusion it's God and him all the way. That's what God wants from us. And perhaps we are the ones that are left in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, in a sense, to be something that can help turn the tide in some areas. You remember Esther, right? I'm about done. Simple message. Esther, Haman, he was anti-Jewish. He was trying to exterminate all the Jewish people. Some things never change. <laughs> people try to do that today, don't they? But Mordecai said to Esther, now, Esther, her mom and dad had died as a young girl, and so Mordecai took her in and raised her up. And uh, Esther was a beautiful woman who had married the king. And so he says to Esther, 
And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? For such a time as this. Maybe we're here for such a time as this to be able to do something for God's glory in this country. Esther, married to the king, was willing to try to save her people, the Jews. She said she'd go to the king. Now, you have to understand back then, in the chambers where all the political people are and so on, and the king's in there, for somebody to enter without being called to go into that place, it meant instant death. Instant death. But she said, I'll do that. And Esther told Mordecai, and if I perish, I perish. Uh, you know, sometimes for the cause of Christ is greater than anything we do in our life. Amen. You see, Esther's heart, she had a love of God. She had a love of her people. As a result of that, then that worked inside of her to be willing to go before the king. Before there was activity to do something, she had to be right with God and have the right motives and her heart for her people. And before we can do anything for our country, locally or nationally, we have to be right with God. We have to be that glow before we can ever have any type of success. Today, for one to be light, to try to save or influence our community, you have to be saved. Amen? If you want that glow inside of you, you have to get God inside of you. And that only comes through your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that saves you is the gospel. And then you have to be spirit-filled or spirit-controlled. That just means that you've yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and the Word of God and what it says. Because it's the Spirit and the Word of God that equips us to be able to have an influence of a restraining force against the evil darkness that's taking place. 2 Thessalonians 2.6 says this, Who opposeth and exalteth himself, Antichrist, above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. There's a reason he's not revealed yet. There's something that's withholding him. Now, some people say, well, that's just the Holy Spirit. Well, let me just say something. The Spirit of God's going to be here when the body of Christ takes out. The Spirit's still going to be here. And I really believe that it's the Spirit of the body of Christ, the church, that restrains and withholds the evil forces that's trying to take over our lives, our families, and yes, our nation. And the only hope we have is to be that restraining force. Amen? But I believe with all my heart, 
if we do this, it will be worth it all one day. It'll be worth it all. Dr. Ivor Powell, he was from Wales. I met him, heard him speak several times, a little short guy. Powerful little book writer, author, great speaker for God. And he said years ago he was in Australia and the people began running down the street. So he said he started running down the street. <laughs> he started running with them. And he asked the people there, he says, why are you running? And they said to him, a whole platoon of our soldiers had been killed in the war with only 20 survivors. The 20 had just docked and they deboarded and they were coming down the street in a parade. And the parade was there to honor their homecoming. Dr. Powell said the girls were screaming. They were kissing the soldiers. And he said to himself, my, what a reception. And then he said this, but one day when we believers reach our heavenly homeland, standing by the throne, Jesus Christ will say to many people, welcome home, my child. I've never regretted your work on the battlefield for me. I've seen your love for me. I've seen your gallantry of standing for me. I give you my gratitude. Now receive your rewards. This what's going on cannot compare with what's going to take place with us that are faithful to be that light that look past all the headlines that upset us and look and see what God is doing and then get involved in that and be the restraining force against evil. Amen? That's my message. Simple. Okay? And if you didn't like some of the things I said, just see Carol. She wrote my message. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love this country, but I love God more. And I hope to the good Lord that you will too. Father, we come to you and we rededicate ourselves to you. Uh, it's easy to get wrapped up in everything that's going on. It rips our hearts out. We're ready to choke somebody. I understand. But Lord, help us to see past what's going on and see where you're involved. And then may we get involved in that so we can be the light that you want us to be in this dark world. People don't have answers. We see that every day on TV, every day in the news. They don't have any answers. The only answers were given to us through your word, but by our founding fathers, many of them, who promoted Jesus Christ and its gospel. God, may we be willing to stand up just as they did so we can be able to maintain this. But if not, 
God help us to stand in the midst of adversity, just like Paul. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. May that be said of all of us as these days grow darker. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.